same concept, and we're just going to do, do another little wrinkle of that. So before we start, we're going to pray, need the Lord's help, always need the Lord's help in every venture, anything we do, but specifically in communicating the Word of God, I want God's help, I want His anointing. I know you have needs in your life, everyone here probably knows a situation that you'd like to say, God, I want you to take care of this one, uh, whether it's sickness or family or finances or uh, just something that seems to be beyond your ability to fix on your own. So I want you to pray for that. And also in your prayer time here in the next minute, let's pray also that God would speak to all of us, that he would speak to me and through me, and that word would be anointed when it comes to your ear and you hear it. All right? Savior, I thank you for your power, your might, and dominion. I thank you that you are a great God, a king over all the earth, who is like the Lord. There's nobody like you. We bring before you right now, Jesus, our prayers, our concerns, our needs. We have some in this building right now that need healing. Others, Lord, that are, that are having the trial of their faith. Some that are struggling in their life, families and difficulties and problems. Yet you are an awesome, great God who delights in hearing our prayers, directing our lives and answering, Lord, our, all these requests. And I'm asking you right now, in Jesus' name for these things, I pray, Lord, for anointing upon my mind and my heart. Help me to communicate the gospel, the word of truth, and let it, Lord, in its sense, affect our lives and change our hearts and speak to us, I pray. All these things I thank you for in the wonderful name of Jesus. And someone said, in Jesus' name. All right, so hopefully you have Bibles tonight. Everybody have a Bible or a version of a Bible on something? Raise it up. Let me see who has a Bible or an iPad or a phone. Okay, wonderful. God bless you. Because I want you to turn with me to read them. I want you to read some things. I want you to read them out loud. When I was in school, it didn't happen very often. But I do remember this, and I'm, I'm trying to remember if this was in college or high school. But I remember a kid in the back coming to class and sitting like this. You ever seen this before? He sat like that. Now, I, I realized, because I was sitting over here beside him, I realized that he looked interested, like he was really hanging on every word the teacher was saying. But I knew from over there that he was actually falling asleep. Every once in a while, he would give away like this little head nod and back up like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, right. And I don't know why that teacher even allowed him to do that. Maybe it was in college. I'm not sure why. But that is a perfect illustration of the lesson truth this evening. There's a great difference between compliance and change. Compliance is outward. It's I am complying. I'm doing what you want. I'm doing what's accepted. I'm doing what everybody expects you to do. That doesn't really mean that something's happening on the inside. Do you understand? Does that make sense? Clear enough? Pastor talks about Psalms 51 verse 6. That's the, the bedrock verse of this entire um, multi-week lesson. If you've got your Bible, you can look it up, or if you want to write it down, you can. Psalms 51 and 6, that's smack dab in the middle of David's prayer and song of repentance. Remember the created me a clean heart, O oh God? 
renew a right spirit within me. One of those phrases says, you desire, David says to God, you desire truth in the inward parts. If you ask me, where are the inward parts at? I don't know. This is not a biology class, but I don't think you can find inward parts on any biology, um, one of those biology charts. You can't find it. Let's see, there's kidneys. Okay, I got that liver. And there is the inward parts. No, inward parts is that secret, concealed, hidden person, the real you, the real you that others don't see. But the Word says that you desire truth in those inward parts. Desire, according to Strong's, or if you want to look it up on your phone, the Blue Letter Bible. Blue Letter Bible is always a wonderful thing to look up. Desire means you're pleased with, you're delighted with. It makes God happy. Has that big, kind of goofy smile that sometimes pastor has with his mouth open real wide. What is that? He's like, um, he's happy with something. I don't know, whatever it is. He's pleased with something. And you think about that. That's what God is. He is delighted with truth in the inward parts. We, in our flesh, actually operate quite differently. We're delighted with people thinking good things about us on the outward. That's our, our, our carnal nature, right? That's just man's nature. To outwardly appear to be okay or fit in or like everybody else, whatever it is, but inwardly not. My dad tells a story, so I'm sure the story is 100 years old, but, and don't tell him I said that, but way back there was a school bus driver who was trying to drive and a little boy kept standing up. And the school bus driver said, son, you've got to sit down. You've got to sit down or you're going to be in big trouble and tell your mom. So eventually the child sat down, the bus driver looked back at him, and the boy said, I'm sitting down on the outside, but on the inside I'm standing up. Okay, that's a silly story. It's my dad's story, so, you know, if you don't like it, talk to him about it. But it does present exactly the concept that we're talking about. It's the concept of a lot of the Bible. God desires truth in the inward parts. Hmm. Interesting. So, when I prayed about this, when I talked to the Lord about this, I'm reminded that I'm one of those pastor's kids that have seen so much fakery in my life, so much outward Christianity, quote-unquote, that wasn't matched by anything inside, that my... My reaction, this was me especially, um, for just many years, my reaction was, fine, I'm going to love God inwardly, but outwardly I'm not going to put up a show for you. I ain't going to do nothing. I might, even, I might even be a Christian outwardly. I'll be mean or whatever. And that, that's, that is really not the Lord's call either. That's incorrect either. But you know that there's a reaction sometimes. Oh, all right, I'm going to love the Lord, but, you know, I may not be that respectful. I may not have whatever because I'm not going to be like them. You see, that, that is that reaction sometimes people have. Sometimes they say, well, you're, you're this outwardly, but you're not really inwardly, so I'll be inwardly and nothing outwardly. But that is not really a possibility if you understand how this works. So God wants truth that starts inside, that is accurate, 
that works its way outside. As a matter of fact, if it is truth, it cannot be inward and have zero effect outward. Right? Right? I've had three boys that at one time in their life were 12 years old. I have. Now imagine this scenario. Imagine some mama tells me that their 12-year-old boy is going through the changes of life just because his age and because he thinks he is. You might say, okay, maybe, but there is a chemical change in the pituitary gland. I can't put my finger on the pituitary gland. Some of you that are medical experts tells me where it's at. It's somewhere, I don't know, it's in there somewhere. I know it's in there. I've never seen it, but I've seen, I've seen documentation and pictures that say it's in there. There's a change in there that you and I cannot see. That chemical change will invariably produce outward results. If mama says the 12-year-old boy comes 13 and 14 and 15, hmm, and you don't have little scruffy hairs growing on his cheeks? No, none of that? And is Adam's apple starting to develop? And people aren't saying, is this... Um, is this William Marple? No, this is Scott. Well, you sound just like her dad. And he doesn't start to get real sweaty. And he didn't got this pimply stuff because his hair is coming down. It's greasy and he, all that. And there's no changes. There's no muscle tone. You know what you're going to tell me, honestly, and tell that mama? You need to take that boy to the doctor, right? There might be something wrong. Because you can't insist on inward change, and not eventually produce outwardly, right? Isn't that biologically correct? It's impossible for it not to eventually show up. Some of you in me, oh God, forgive me, we are displaying outward symptoms of bad things we're doing and visiting drive through restaurants, and nobody else knows about it. And we can declare we are holy with what we eat before the Lord. But some, our bellies might be declaring differently. Or maybe our muscle tone. We may be saying, oh, we believe in exercise. Hallelujah. But we get up from the chair and we're groaning. Oh, oh, stand up. Because we don't do it very often. We said, we did a push-up today. When was that? Uh, that's when I pushed up out of bed. That That's... That does not really count. I don't, think it, I don't think it counts. Isn't it true that inward things eventually work the way outward? It is true that out of the abundance of the heart, nothing happens. No. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. What is in your heart? Well, let's hear you talk long enough. Let's listen. And it will come out. Won't it? Can you even hide it? If it's, if it's all about this activity or that, or this concern or that, it'll eventually bubble out of you. So here, here's the concept. We've got to grab this. What does God really love? What makes him like, yes, I want that? It's truth in the inward parts, Right? Mm. All right, let's look at Second Chronicles chapter 24. 
Second Chronicles 24. And this is very scary because it could be happening in your life. It could be happening in your life today. Sometimes in the Bible, we have a little picture of the life of people. We have Josiah here. He's king. Remember Josiah? Seven years old when he was king, which is pretty young to be king. Reigned for 40 years. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. Uh-oh. There's a problem. There's a problem here. He did what was right as long as Jehoiada the priest was around. Now let's go on down to verse number 22. Uh, I'm sorry, let's go to verse 20, apologize. Verse 20. After dad's dead, the priest, his son is prophesying, and he's prophesying against Josiah. The Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, the priest, stood above the people and said to them, Thus saith God, why are you transgressing or breaking the commandments of the Lord? And because of that, you can't prosper. Because of that, you can't prosper. You, ought to, you might want to circle that in your life, and your mind. Remember this, that this passage, this Spirit of God-inspired, infused message, did not come to the other heathen tribes, right? Why, why didn't the Lord say you can't prosper? Because God made a special covenant with his people, right? If you will, I will. If you won't, I'm going to do this. And he said, because you refuse to follow the commandments of the Lord, you're transgressing, then for, there it's producing that you're not prospering. Mm. Because you've forsaken the Lord, he has forsaken you also. Wow. And they conspired against him and stoned him with stones at the commandment of the king in the court of the house of the Lord. Then Joash the king, Joash the king, the one was in, one was in uh, the first verse, remembered not the kindness this man's father had done to him, but killed his son. So as long as the priest was around, he followed the Lord. When the priest died, and that influence is gone, and that external pressure was gone, uh-oh, no more following the Lord. So much that the Lord sent a prophetic word against him through the man's son. And they killed him, which was kind of an occupational hazard of being a prophet in the Old Testament. So you might not want to sign up for the job. But <laughs> I, I think about that in my life. I've experienced that in my, even my own home. I don't know what it is about it. I'm an adult. I'm, 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 I, am, I know a lot. God's blessed me. But there's something different when mama is gone for a few days. The house gets a little bit less clean than it was when mom's around. And then she comes home from some event ladies' conference, whatever, in the past, and I feel like I should be like the lepers in the Bible and stand with my, at that time, my young children with rags and just yell, unclean, 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 so she won't come in the house. Why? What is it 
there's just something oh, that that pressure. There's a there's a pressure there. There's influencer. You can't help it, right? To be influenced by those around you, and it's all right to be influenced in a godly manner. But recognize, are you just being compliant, or have you been changed? Is the Holy Ghost changing you from the inside out? You can protest to me, and I'll let you for a little bit. Hey, be patient with me. God's changing me. Oh, that's great. I believe you. That can't stay there inside. At some point, it must present outside, right? It must. Otherwise, it's not being changed. Are you resisting? I, we all do that. That's why we're, we're not perfect. We're trying to follow the perfect one, right? We know the Almighty. We're not Him. But that doesn't mean we're excused from allowing change in our life. We want inward change. This man had some concepts of following God, but only and as long as a man of God, a powerful man of God was in his life. When that guy's gone, another priest was there, but it was his son. You know how that goes? Yeah, your dad, he was a great man, but the son, like, okay, well, he, he obviously had his eyes on the man and not the God of the man. He saw the priest, but not the God that put the priest in place. There, there's a great difference there. People struggle with that. Whenever there's a pastoral change, for whatever reason, people have a tough, tough time. I'll never forget listening to a pastor at a church in uh, St. Louis, uh, one of the largest churches at that time. I believe his name was, the elder's name was Bishop Johnson, I believe. And Bishop Johnson died. And my dad told me that his son was now pastoring but struggling because a lot of the older people said, that's not how your dad did it. He didn't do it that way. Oh, yeah, well, Bishop Johnson never did something, something, something. And Bishop Johnson never said, blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't that he was leading the church in, um, in, uh, against apostolic ways or anything like that. He was just doing some things different because he wasn't his dad. Whatever it was, I'm not sure, but it was enough to make grumbling and rumbling. So one Sunday morning, he uh, stood before a very large church, uh, about our size, and he said, I want everyone this year that you feel like you're a Bishop Johnson saint. You're a saint of my father to stand. And probably 150 people stood up. And he said, I have buses that are lined up outside. They're going to take all of you out to the cemetery, and you can have church there. The rest of us are going to have church in here. I don't know what happened at that point. I'm assuming they all sat down, hopefully. I don't know. Maybe they went out there. <laughs> but it was like, oh, Jesus, have mercy. I'm sure somebody's praying, like, oh, this is embarrassing. Because you're standing. A lot of people are standing. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, Lord. I'm a Bishop Johnson saint. Okay, well, you can go out there and have church out at the cemetery. The buses are, they're out there running. They're out there and take you. So you might need to check your heart and mind. Who do you belong to? We have a fantastic church. I love my brother, fantastic pastor. He is not the Lord Jesus Christ. I know that. If he's not in your life anymore, are you still in love with Jesus? And what's crazy about it is, he used to be in some of your life more. You know, church was smaller, 
um, four plus kids ago. Uh, you know, lots of time. Matter of fact, there are people that have come to this church and said, I can't go to this church. Why? Because I need the pastor to chew me out every once in a while. That, that's been said to my brother. I need, I need a pastor who's going to get on my case and tell me, read me the riot act. Every couple weeks, tell me, you better do this and that. Well, I, I understand small church benefits. I got that. But maybe they're connecting with the wrong Savior. They want a man to save them, right? What does Jesus want? He wants truth in the inward parts. Oh, Lord, you know what's horrible about this message? You know what's horrible about this message? Is that, God, I can be teaching this message, and he still look at me and say, okay, Scott, what about you? Because we could put on such a show, we can just be so op- openly, seemingly loving the Lord, and inwardly not. Hmm. Change must start on the inside. It cannot stay there, however, or it's not real change. Amen? What's Romans 12 and 2 say? And be not conformed to this world, right? But be ye transformed. How does that happen? By the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What is the difference between conformed and transformed? Aren't these on and off, opposites, light and dark words? No, they're not. Conformed literally means to put on like a costume. To put on like a costume. To be conformed. To fit in. What is everybody doing? Okay, I'll do that. What are they wearing? I'll wear that. What are they saying? I'll say that. Where are they working? I'll work there. What are they eating? I'll eat that. How is, what do you have to be like to be a new life? Okay, I'll be that. That's conformed. What is transformed? It is more like the concept of the, of the moth, or I'm sorry, the caterpillar, becoming the butterfly, or the, or the caterpillar becoming the moth. That, that true metamorphosis that works inwardly in a hidden sense, but eventually, if it's healthy, cannot but show a fantastic transformation. Wow, I want that. I want that kind of change. I want the change on the inside that makes other people say, Scott, your speech betrays you. The way you talk tells me you have been spending time with Jesus. That's what I want this mouth to produce. And I can't produce that by having some of you that love the Lord write down things that I should say. Isn't that crazy? It seems like that would work that way. I remember years and years ago, I thought, I'm going to make a book of prayers of every powerful praying person around the entire United States have a little interview with them, and write down all their prayers. Just because how great it would be to have a, you know, hear their prayer, hear the words they say. Every, every prophet, every person that's just a, known as a prayer warrior, every man and woman of God that may, may or may not be a minister, may just be, just a, have a handle on the Lord, just write all those words down, just to read all that. As I've grown older, I've realized you can have all those words 
and say all the words and have nothing in here, right? You could, you could literally mimic Paul and say, okay, how did Paul stand? All right, it was left foot first, then right foot back here. I got it. All right, that's Paul. And then he did the right hand like this. I thought, okay, let's do it. Ready? Do it. Okay. Now you say, you say to the demon possessed, how did he do it? He says, he says, and what are you saying? Whose name? Jesus. Jesus' name. Do it just like, okay, let's go do it like Paul. The Bible says they did it just like Paul. And what did the devil say? I know Paul. I know Jesus. Who are you? And the, and the man within the seven devils leaped on the boys and they ran out of there. The Bible says wounded and naked. Didn't they use the same name of Jesus? Yes. Didn't they do it just like Paul? Whatever just like Paul was? Yeah, probably. Compliance is man's way of fixing it. That's man's way of fixing it. But God wants truth or change in the inward parts. Mm, Man, I love that. I love that. What did Jesus say? Be careful with your praying, he said. Don't think you're going to be heard for your much speaking. So you're saying one word over in prayer a thousand times. Not in any way saying there's something wrong with that intercession that happens and sometimes you're not sure what you're saying. But if you think you're saying a lot and a lot of words and that will make Jesus hear you, then you're missing what Jesus said. You'll not be hurt for your much speaking. That's what he said, right? Because it's not all this that you produce that makes him happy. It's truth in the inward parts. What did Jesus say to the woman of the well? Woman, you know, yeah, the Jews do worship in that mountain, and you worship here, but your location doesn't matter. The Father seeketh such to worship him. He's looking for those who worship him in spirit and truth. You think location is important. Jesus says, I'm not concerned with your compliance to location. I'm concerned more about your heart. And that doesn't mean I can throw away the good while I'm following God's best, right? It doesn't, it's not appropriate to say, okay, well, if the Lord's going to put a change on me that's going to show outwardly, then in the, in the meantime, I just won't do anything outwardly. But, you know, we all want you to wear clothes. That's a, we're thankful that you wear clothing. I'm, I, I don't say it a lot, but I say, thank you, Lord, people are wearing clothing. I'm glad. Even if you say, God's working on me, okay, good, but at least do what you ought to do and you know it outwardly. You come to church? Okay, go to church. What if you say, I'm coming to church for wrong reasons? All right, well, let's start there and work our way to the right reasons. It isn't mankind to say, fine, I'll stop doing everything. I'll stop coming to church. I'll stop reading my Bible until something's in here. But sometimes it doesn't work that way. Sometimes it works by hungering after the Lord, and it, it grows from here outwardly. Mm. Inward change may take some passage of time to show up, but for good or bad, holy or wicked, it will show up on the outside. There's no way to stop it. What did Jesus tell the religious leaders? He told them, your lives are like beautiful, whitewashed, kept gorgeously ornate tombs that look pleasing to people as they walk by, but inwardly they're full of dead man's bones and every corruption 
Oh, that word corruption he uses literally the process of a human body dissolving its fluids and insects eating it and the stench and the gases and going down back to the earth. How gross, Lord, why did you say that? Because he said, that's what it's like to me. You look fantastic, but inwardly, you want to kill me. And you know what's so funny in the Bible? They wanted to kill him, but didn't want to do it on a Sabbath day. Because obviously that's, you know, that's holy unto the Lord. Wait a minute. You can't, how can you keep God's things and killing somebody in the same mentality? But it happened all the time in the Bible. It happened a lot. Jezebel organized a three-day fast. Did you know that? Jezebel organized a three-day fast. So at the end of it, she could get a couple of scoundrels to say that the, the guy who owned the land next to her husband, that he had cursed God, and so they took him out and sold him. She did all that in the middle of a three-day fast. People often do godly things to cover ungodly things. Oh, Lord. Mm. Why does God want truth in our inward parts? Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 7. And I am not going to keep you forever tonight. You know me. I am short and quick and speedy. 2 Corinthians 10 and 7. Do you look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trusts to himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so we are Christ. Paul said, you're looking on the outward. You're seeing outwardly. And that's how we do. God made us do that way. We know that. 1 Peter chapter, chapter where are we at here? Just close. 1 Peter chapter 3 Verses 2 and 4. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 2 through 4. Peter's talking. Here he said to the women, while they, be, while they, while they your husbands that are not um, saved, behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Who's adorning? Let it not be that outward adorning of plenty of the hair and wearing of gold or putting on of apparel. But let it be the hidden man of the heart, which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. There is a hidden man. There is a hidden person in your life and mine. There is a hidden man that will, one way or another, present itself outwardly. God often asked for inward change and resisted compliance or what appeared to only be changed. What do you say in Joel 2? I want you to tear your hearts and not your garments. Now, you know that's not literally because you can't tear your heart. I hope, I don't know how you could tear your heart. They could tear their garments. They tore their clothing as a sign of mourning. They did take cold ashes and put it on their forehead as a sign of mourning. Hopefully we won't adopt that here in your life. I guess you could. Put on burlap instead of nice robes as a sign of mourning. Those are all things. Unfortunately, over time, it became just a sign. After a while, even in Jesus' day, they had professional mourners whose job was to professionally cry. Can you imagine that being your job? Where are you going, honey? You know, I got to be there at 2 o'clock. I got to cry. Oh, you're crying for that fellow's um, child that died? Oh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be there for an hour or so. I'm going to cry and tear my hair and pound the ground and just go berserk. But then they'll pay me, and so that's my job. Can you imagine that being your job? 
That was their job. And so in Joel's day, they would tear their clothing, but God would recognize that they really weren't changing. There wasn't any inward sorrow. He said, I, I'm, not, I'm not affected by you tearing your robe. I want you to tear or change your heart. I want you to cry here and not outwardly. Wow. First Samuel says, man looks on the outward part, but the Lord sees the heart. Don't, don't take that as a license. Remember, everybody's wearing clothing. We're glad because what does man see? We see outward. I can't see who your heart. I don't know what your heart's like. But the Lord is not confused by that, is he? He sees past all of it. Remember, metamorphism, that concept. Difference between, con- between being just conformed and transformed. Now, being around Jesus is exciting. It was fresh. It was new. It was a little bit scary. Can you imagine the conversation the disciples had? What's the Lord going to do today? I don't know. I bet he's going to choose somebody out today. Happened a lot. Maybe he'll heal somebody. He'll probably make somebody mad. Yep, that happens a lot too. You never know what the Lord is. It's exciting. You know what he's going to do. Peter on him had to be incredible. He might make everybody, he might make the entire group of disciples mad. Everybody might leave him. Or everybody might follow him. He might turn some fish sticks and saltine crackers, enough food to feed all of the ISU stadium. He could do it, and he did. He can call somebody up that's dead and bring him back to life. You never know what he's going to do. He's going to do something. Now, that is a key indicator. The Bible says Jesus went about doing good. Jesus, if you want to know his, his makeup, his heart, it wasn't Jesus stayed at home doing good. Or Jesus didn't say, hey, I will be here on this mountaintop all of next week. You guys want to come and find me? We'll, we'll talk. His heart was to go after people. He did. That was his heart. He was involved. Matter of fact, when they tried to stop him and saying, look, Lord, you've got a big following here. People are searching for you. This is good. It's going to be great. Jesus said, no. Nope. No. I must go into other people. I must go to other cities. I'm not going to stay right here. Jesus was active, involved. And he was spending time with people that you and I would say, okay, Lord, that's, that's a waste of your time. I'm not trying to chew out, you know, the Lord. I'm just giving you this little advice on my part. You're being people, Lord, that don't really care about you at all. The Bible says at one point he was in a house. Wouldn't you like to be in that house? And, man, everybody liked it because the place was filled up. There wasn't a seat left. Even in the windows, people were sitting there. In the doorways, they're crowding around, maybe just a shoulder, looking at somebody else's shoulder. And the Bible says, and there was power present Dunamis, present, dynamite. That's where that word comes from. Power, present to heal them. And on the front rows or around him in that, in that little house were scribes and Pharisees. At one point in Jesus' conversation, they doubted in themselves saying, who is this man? He can forgive sins. They didn't have a heart for him. And say, Lord, why are you there with those people? 
Why would you give them another chance? Yes, it worked out. Yes, the four men brought their, their lame friend in and tore a, a hole in the ceiling and brought him down. All the saints happened. But why were you there with those people in the first place? Because that's what the Lord does to you and to me. That's called the grace and mercy of the Lord. He does show up in your life over and over again. He knocks on your door and he sends you flowers and a card. He tells you he loves you. Even if you're resisting him, he draws you. That's his way, isn't it? He doesn't stop. You think about that's what grace is. When you and I would have said, Lord, leave them alone. They don't even want you. Just turn it off. Don't even go to them. Yet the Lord doesn't do that at all, does he? Mm, I love that. Now I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. And I've got one last verse. So if you're holding on, you can hold on just a little bit longer. First Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5. This is a, a terrifying verse. Paul says, Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who will both, this is both, there's two things here in that both, bring to light the hidden things of darkness, and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have the praise of God. Now listen to that in the Amplified. AMPC is my version I'm reading here. So do not make any hasty or premature judgments before the time when the Lord comes again. For he will both bring to light the secret things that are now hidden in darkness. And disclose and expose the secret aims, motives, and purposes of hearts. Then every man will receive his due condemnation from God. Only thing I can think in that verse that helps me is the blood of the lamb. I'm covered in the blood of the lamb. It's as though it never happened in the blood of the lamb. But the Lord says, don't, don't, don't judge things now. There'll come a time when every hidden thing, and I mean every, oh, ugly, nasty, horrifying, perverse, wicked, ungodly thing, will be openly displayed. Manifest is like a, a, a hand pulled back into a sleeve and then shown out like this. Manifest is the Lord Jesus Christ hidden as a carpenter's kid and a man in an obscure village. And then when the time came, when he was 30, he was manifest. People began to realize, oh, there's something going on with this guy. He's a healer. He's, he's a deliverer. He loves people. He's forgiving those who are sinners. That's to reveal, to show openly. Everything will be open. Now, my experience in life is all I can draw from. But... I, when I read that verse, something triggers in my mind right away. Little, a fire, little memory fires right back in the back here. It just triggers. I was asked to praise a house while living in St. Louis of a man that I knew was a pastor. It had previously been a Pentecostal church. I wasn't sure what it was right now. I didn't know what was going on. I just kind of tried to avoid all the gossipy things. So he was doing some of his own thing. He had left the organization he had been a part of, and he was kind of on his own, whatever. 
Okay, God bless them. I don't know what's going on. I know that um, it was just a mess, a whole bunch of mess going on. So um, I show up at the door, um, and we're talking 260 to $310,000 house, which was not that great of a house in that area. It was okay, average. Um, kind of, it was nice, you know, not horrible. 1990s, two-story, 2,200 square feet, whatever. In that part of St. Louis, that was kind of a little bit of a, a normal-ish kind of house. He met me at the door, and um, like I always do, I go around the house first on the outside, take pictures and measure, and then I come back inside. And he didn't say a word. He didn't make any ex- explanatory comments. Most people in this situation um, explain things or ask, for, or ask to be forgiven or try to make some excuse. He didn't do any of those things. Walked to the house. There should have been a dining room right here to my left. It looked like someone had taken every possible um, fundraiser article and old church um, decorating things from a garage and just dumped them into that dining room so that they were about shoulder high with me and then just thrown things on top of that for I don't know how many months or years until it was just full. There was a pathway for me to walk on because I, there was stuff to my left and my right. I walked the best I could. I took pictures. I didn't say anything. He didn't say anything. I got to his bedroom, and I saw there was a pathway to the bed, pathway to the bedroom, and that's the only thing I could walk on because everything else was just filled with just everything you could imagine, stuff. The pathway, though, I realized that wasn't carpeting. Those are magazines, newspaper, um, newspaper ads, uh, just, you know, and it was a little pathway, and I could walk, I walked on top of them. I was slipping some as I took the pictures, best I could. Um, and I, I just worked my way through. I went to the bathroom. It was so horrible, but I just did the best I could. I didn't say anything. I just took pictures. Um, I guess that the tub hadn't been used, and I don't know how long, because it was full of just horrible junk. And when we got done, I went back to the front door, and I just left. And I thought, man, that's the hidden man right there. There's a hidden man that the outward man, to me, appears to be a religious guy, a noble guy, a godly guy. But there's, there's, ooh, they're scary on the inside. Mama had left him. Problems, horrible problems. It's like, oh, God. I, it makes, when I read this verse, I feel like, God, every ugly, hidden thing will show up. Went to a house here in Plainfield. I'm at the house. The guy's an accountant. Not, doesn't work for you, bro. But he works for another accountant firm. And he's like a normal guy. He's single. Lives with his cats and dogs, he says. So, fine. I grew on the outside of the house. It was a two-story vinyl. You know the vinyl village? Who told me that originally? Probably Ryan Wallace said that. I think he said that a long time ago. Yeah, you know, Scott, that's over there in that vinyl village. And I've used that for a decade now, probably more. Anyway, it was a vinyl village. You know, every house is the same. They're all vinyl houses. You go in one, you say, okay, I know where everything's at. There's a staircase. Blindfold me. I'll show you where the half bath is. It's over here. And there's a kitchen and the dining room. And upstairs, got three bedrooms and two bathrooms. Okay, am I done? Yes. You know, it's just, it's repetitive, the same thing. Oh, our house is different. How is it different? Um, we have a porch roof over our porch. Nobody else does. Oh, okay, yeah. It's strangely different. This house is totally different. So, <laughs> so I'm in the house, 
another guy who doesn't say a word. I walk in the house, and my senses are like attacking me quickly. Cat and dog, so bad. I walk into the kitchen, and I, it just, I saw something and closed my eyes and thought, Open my eyes again and realized he had taken all the, the dog feces and moved it under the table so I could walk. Not a word. Didn't say a word. This is a, a normal professional working man. I go upstairs to the bedroom, open the door, and I realize that bedroom is where the cat uses the restroom. Carpeting completely filled, food just dumped into a corner. I, I, I'm not seen it that bad before in my life. That was, it was horrifically bad. I don't know if there was a room without cat urine and dog feces. I don't know if there was a room. I don't know. I can't think of one, one place. Except the little pathway he made for me next to the kitchen table. So when I got back, I said, how do I handle this? I told the lender, I said, that is definitely a health hazard. I don't know what you're going to do about it. You guys fix it. I'm just saying, health hazard. And so they made me go back. They said, okay, he's got it cleaned up. But his cleaned up was not my cleaned up. And I took pictures of it, and I had to go back a third time to get the cleaned up. And all three times, we didn't say a word. You know what that, what I read and I read that verse? There's a hidden thing to the heart. Oh, how we're compliant outwardly. Are we inwardly full of dead man's bones and every corruption? God has a powerful, beautiful thing for your life and mine. A Holy Ghost change that will present itself outwardly in ways greater than we could ever produce by saying all the recorded prayers in history better than I could ever do by acting and pretending and speaking just like Paul. Better than any of that. It's the Spirit of God inside of me. It can make me transform my life into more than I could ever put on. Amen? Now, I thoroughly grossed you out, but you know what? Tough. Then you should go with appraisals on me and go see some of these houses, and maybe you'll feel worse. I don't know what you feel. But, I, but maybe that also has driven in your mind an understanding. Are you coming to church? And you're here? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're here. Oh, yeah. Oh, I lo- oh, I love the Lord, brother. Oh, the Lord, sister. Oh, yeah. But that's just compliance. The, the scary, terrifying, worse than any horror movie ever made, the worse than that news is that you will one day stand before the Lord of the earth, and every hidden thing will be revealed. Just give me just 30 seconds. Close your eyes right now. Lord Jesus, I feel your spirit. I'm so glad you deal with me, Lord. I need you to deal with me. I want it to you with us, Lord, the Holy Ghost. Call it on your name, Jesus. Here I am. Desperately needing you. I need you, Lord. I want you in my heart. I want you in my life. I want you more than just a show. I want you more than just outward. I want the Holy Ghost to have its way through me and in me. I want your ways and not mine. I want your, your desires and not mine. It makes you happy, Lord, and please to see truth in my inward parts of my heart, Lord.
Do a work, I pray, in this building right now. Speak to your people. These are your people, Lord. These are the sheep of your pasture. These are the ones you love and care about and know them by name. They're valuable to you, Lord, and worth more than many sparrows. I pray the Holy Ghost have its way. Come on, someone, just pray with me just for a little bit right now. Press through. Right now, just spend a little bit of time in prayer. Lord, I need you. I love you. Call on his name. Someone say, Jesus, I need you. Come on, right now, just a little bit. Right now. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I want you in my life. Yes, Jesus, I need you in my heart. Jesus, I need you in my thoughts. Jesus, I need you. Purify me. Empty me of everything not like you, Lord. Cleanse me, I pray, Lord Jesus. Let every perverse and ugly thing, wicked thing, worldly thing, every carnal thing, let it die, Lord, out of my life and be pleasing to you, I pray. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I pray the Lord has blessed you. Pray he has anointed your life. I love seeing you. I pray God gives you a fantastic week.